Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Tony Cassis. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. <laughs> okay, okay, calm down, calm down. Calm down, guys. <laughs> He's like, stop. Give him more. No, Joey, okay. Let's reach our hands forward. Father, we thank you for Pastor Tony who um, shared an awesome word this morning, Lord. Awesome word about the barren woman singing again. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, that even tonight, Lord, you're going to build on the momentum of what was shared. Lord, we say it every week that your words now be his words. Lord, just revitalize, rejuvenate, Lord, and give him, Lord, even, Lord, a greater anointing and a greater depth into what you're saying. And let it, Lord, produce the fruit that it's called to bear in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bless you all. Let's go to Isaiah 54. And we will, I will share with you what I shared with the morning service. I think it's, uh, it's appropriate that we all stay on the same page. We're just continuing on in the uh, spirit of what uh, Dr. Robin and uh, Nate and myself have been sharing on in the last three or so weeks, both in the Sunday service and on the Portals podcast. And that is, the Lord is um, helping us to understand the difference between a vision from God and a fantasy or a vision that we conjure up ourselves in our own minds. And so... uh, And that's not to discourage us, but to actually encourage us that if we stay on track, then the vision will be realized. You know, the scripture tells us that without vision, the people perish. One translation says, without vision, people act in unrestrained manners. Okay, and that's because we're we're not focused. If you don't have a life goal or a a short-term goal, you get blurred. You're not focused. You have no direction to go in. And so that's why the scriptures make it clear that vision is imperative. And then all of the patriarchs were men and women of vision. Abraham had to count stars and as he was counting at night, he would have to tell himself, these represent my offspring. At the moment, I have none. I'm barren at the moment. And this is what this scripture is all about. Um, But I believe God. And so I want to share with you that um, part of being delivered from fantasy to true vision includes the barrenness process. The most fruitful ministries in the Old Testament began with a barren womb. uh, Abraham and Isaac are the first example. And so um, Isaiah 54, Isaiah says something really profound here. Sing, O barren, you who have not born... Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not laboured with child. For more are the children of the desolate woman than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. 
And then he says, Enlarge the place of your dwelling. Let them stretch out your tent curtains uh, of your dwelling place. Don't spare at all. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the tent stakes. Isn't that something? So right here to this barren woman, we don't even know who he's addressing. She's probably feeling, I have no offspring, I have no future, I have no hope. And the Lord comes along and says, start singing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling dry, when I'm feeling I've lost my way, and I start to feel discouraged, the last thing I want to do is sing about it. But twice the Lord says, sing. And I wonder why. I know why. Because I know when my spirit is good, there's a song in my heart. I know you're going to laugh at me, but people who sing in the shower, that's a good sign. Because it means that life is not overpowering them. Now, you might sing terribly. That's not the, that's not the thing where you don't have to be a singer to sing. It's a heart thing. Now, when I sing in the shower, thank God no one's listening. But think about it. Are you listening, eh? Hope for one. Am I in key? Don't, don't answer that. But it's more about the song in your heart. Are you a praise person? Are you a praise person? Because a praise person is a faith person. Because you lose your song when you're allowing what the world calls the reality. And this is what... This is what Pastor has been sharing with me. There are times when reality tells you the exact opposite of what God is saying. And so the difference between reality and fantasy is also a journey with God. And so I was sharing with the morning service saints that um, when, when... in the old days when a navigator on a ship wanted to take a correct course, he wouldn't just take his readings from the compass in front of the wheel of the ship. The reason being that compass is affected by all of the rigging, the people on board. It's probably been under the weather. It's had, it's had rain on it. It's had salt water on it. It's probably been bumped a few times. So what they used to have on most you know, long-distance voyages was what they called the true north compass. And the true north compass was situated away from anything that would affect the magnetic field around the compass. And so usually it was put up high in a crow's nest or right up the front of the bow of the ship, right away from metal and rigging and activity. And so if the captain wanted to take a more accurate um, sort of uh, coordinates for his course, he'd send a midshipman up to the crow's nest and he would shout out the reading. And that way he would cut a lot of time with un- unnecessary diversions from the course and saved a lot of time. Our true north compass is the scripture, not what the world tells us. How do we know what right and wrong is? How do we know what up or down is? How do we know what is lie and what is truth? Well, this is our true north right here. 
But sometimes true north goes contrary to what the world calls reality. You see? Now, I was telling people this morning, when God created the universe, the Scripture says specifically, He created the heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth. And I believe the Holy Spirit led Moses to say it in that order. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By implication, Moses is saying that the heavens were created first. Why didn't he say in the beginning, the Lord created the earth and the heavens? Because the sun, moon and stars are not created until the fourth day. Well after the earth. So again, I'm challenging all the evolutionary theorists out there. The earth is the oldest bit of matter in the universe. It is exactly four days older than the sun and the moon and the stars. Because true north tells me so. Now why am I saying that? When Moses said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, he designated the heavens first. And I believe he was talking about the spiritual heavens, God's throne, God's temple, the angels, the principalities, the powers. How do I know? Colossians chapter 3. For by him all things were created, whether in heaven or on earth, Again, he designates heaven first, whether principality or power, right, or dominion or throne. That's what Paul said. So the earth, in a sense, is a reflection of the reality of the spiritual world. Now, you've got to get this because the spiritual realm is more real than this physical realm. How do, how do we comprehend that? We're finite. We're, we're people who live in a, you know, a tangible physical world. But here we have a God who created that tangible physical world. Can you get more real than God? Well, God was before the world or the universe. So he is more real than this universe that he created. He is more true than the universe he created. And he holds this physical universe together by his word. Try and explain that to people out there who don't understand the spiritual reality. And so when the barren woman's told to sing, God gives her a vision. He gives this barren one, and I believe it's the church that he's speaking to. And how do I, how do I know? Because Paul again mentions, right, that the barren woman is bearing more children than the woman who's married. So Paul grabs this verse out of Isaiah 54, and then in... I think it's the book of Galatians. He likens the Jerusalem that's in Israel. He likens that city to Hagar, who's had many children, 
but is under bondage to the law. And then he says, Hagar also represents Sinai, which is the old covenant of the law. But then he says, the woman that we are seeking, the Jerusalem above, he says, is free. The Jerusalem above is free. And I believe Isaiah is talking about that woman. Why do I call Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, that woman? Because John said, come. The angel said to John, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And then the scripture says he took him up to a high mountain and he showed him new Jerusalem descending from heaven like a bride adorned for her bridegroom. That Jerusalem is the city that we are children to. Think about every person who's believed on Christ before the cross and after. We're talking about trillions of people. Trillions, more than those who have been physically born to Abraham. Because most of them, their hearts have been hardened for millennia. At the very end, we'll get a remnant of physical descendants of Abraham coming back into the grace of the kingdom of God. So this barren woman, this Jerusalem from above, is being told to sing... Because her children are going to be much greater than the physical children of the promise. But this is where we have to really activate faith. Isaiah gives the woman a vision, a visual. He tells her, the city, extend your borders. Loosen up the cords of the tent so I can stretch your tent curtains wider than they are now. And um, we said in the last portals, or I think it was last Sunday, when God is taking your vision into a curve that you're not really familiar with, when he's turning a vision around so that you are now totally confused... Hello? I said last Sunday, in God's economy, the distance between A and B is never a straight line. We want it to be straight because we want to, oh, I start here, I finish here, it's done, it's quick, I see it straight away. Joseph never saw it that way. Abraham never saw it that way. Isaac, Jacob, Samson, Samuel. Their life was never a cut and dry straight line. David, come on, 13 years an outlaw, not just a shepherd and a a guitarist. Isn't that something? He was called as king. His occupation was shepherd. He had a side job as, as playing a guitar for the king. And he ends up becoming king himself. And then when he becomes king, he suddenly becomes a poet. Songwriter. Talk about a change in the course of the river. He never went from being called to kingship in one one giant step. But I tell you, when he was a fugitive, 
all of his fantasies were destroyed. Isn't that true? All of his fantasies about how am I going to, you know, ascend to kingship were destroyed. And God used those fugitive days to write the most beautiful psalms, the most faith-filled songs in all of history. Now, why am I saying that? Because it seems like the Holy Spirit allows a period of barrenness to destroy all human power and intellect. And this is why the great men and women of faith in the Scripture usually went through this period and it was a period of emptying themselves completely of their own works. Now, I mentioned a few. And look, we all do this. We all try and tell the Holy Spirit how it needs to get done. We all try and convince God that we know what we're doing. In one way, it's not always direct. We don't say, hey, God, step back. I know what I'm doing. No, we do it subconsciously. Because we're relying on intellect, we're relying on cognitive thinking, some of us have been educated and the universities have filled us up with junk. Hello? Is that right, Pastor? Am I saying it right? So the reason why I say that is, look, there's about seven women who could read this song and really say, I've been through that. Sarah. The Lord told her early, sing, O barren woman, you who've borne no children, because your children are going to be greater than anyone else around you. Sarah, 25 years of barrenness. And she gave birth to Isaac. Isaac was a huge ministry. He doesn't get much glory, but Isaac's role in the Abrahamic covenant was crucial. Do you know, God revealed Isaac's wife, men hear this, while he was in the field worshipping. Can I say that? Listen, young men and women. The scripture says that when, when Abraham's servant brought Rebekah, to present him to to present her to Isaac, he was out in the field worshiping at dusk, as the sun was going down. Hello. Then we have Isaac's wife Rebecca. She waited twenty years. She was barren for twenty years before Jacob and Esau were born. And Isaac had to intercede for his wife and say, God, please give me children through Rebekah. And he did. He gave him twins. And then, look at this. Every son has had an experience as Abraham. Jacob's wife, Rachel, was barren. Now, Leah, she was giving birth every year. But Rachel, for some reason, the Lord closed up her womb And she got angry one day. She said to Jacob, give me children lest I die. And Jacob said, am I God? Why are you getting angry at me? I don't know why God's closed up your womb. 
What a nice husband. Really comforting. For a little while, but she actually had four children first. But the, the point I'm making is major ministries were birthed by periods of great barrenness. What about Manoah's wife? We don't even know her name, but she gave birth to Samson. Maybe her name was Julie. Who knows? But look at, look at the ministry that she gave birth to. Samson was huge. <laughs> I don't know why I said Julie, but anyway. Remember the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. But she was barren. Then we have Samuel's mom, Hannah. What's his name? Um, what was her husband's name? I've forgotten her husband's name. But his first wife was having children all the time. And he would bless Hannah with these double offerings every time he'd go up to the house of the, of the Lord. But that didn't comfort her. Remember when, when she was basically praying in the spirit and weeping, Eli, the high priest, thought she was drunk. But she ended up birthing Samuel. Elkanah, that's his name. Why can't we have names like Harry or John or whatever? It's all right. Elkanah blessed his wife because she birthed, she gave birth to Samuel. Now, guys, I said this this morning. Samuel, I believe, is one of the most underrated prophets of the Old Testament. Samuel's ministry was huge. Huge. Number one, his first prophecy was judgment on the priest that was his mentor. Whoa, talk about a baptism of fire. The Lord wakes up 12-year-old Samuel in the middle of the night and says, Samuel, Samuel. And he thought it was Eli. Remember that story? And then the, when, the, when he finally responded to the Lord's voice correctly, the Lord said, I'm about to tell you something that's going to make everyone in Israel's ears tingle because of the judgment I'm bringing on Eli's house. And I'm thinking Samuel's a 12-year-old boy going, what? That's my first prophetic word? <laughs> Remember the following morning when Eli's trying to drag it out of him, Samuel didn't want to tell him. <laughs> Sign of a true prophet. I ain't going to tell you because you ain't going to like what I say. <laughs> but Samuel was huge. Why do I say that? I believe New Testament prophets reflect the spirit of Samuel more than Moses. Moses was the, spirit, was the prophet of the letter of the law, but uh, Samuel represented a prophet of the spirit of the law. In other words, what he, he had words of knowledge, he had words of wisdom. He poured oil on two kings. He was amazing. He was a worship leader. He was the first to have a school of prophets. Remember when, they, when, when Saul tried to kill him one day, he arrived at the city where him and David were hiding out. And when Saul heard them worshipping prophetically, what happened to Saul? He began prophesying. Powerful prophet. But he began his, his, his ministry in a barren womb. Hannah knew this child, this vision 
is from God. Manoah's wife knew this child, this ministry, this vision is from God. Rachel knew Joseph was from God. Rebecca knew Jacob and Esau were from God. Abraham knew. He already had Ishmael and the Lord said, No, I will build my covenant with the son from you and Sarah. They knew Isaac was a gift from God. John the Baptist's mother was barren. The last prophet of the Old Testament is John the Baptist, not Malachi. His mother began his ministry barren. Remember the scripture says that she was well advanced in years and Zachariah and her husband didn't have any children. And when Gabriel turned up and said to Zachariah, the Lord's heard your prayers, your wife's going to bear you a son, Zachariah didn't believe it. So the angel said, right, I'm going to zip your lip for nine months. Zippy the lippy, as pastor would say. And from that barrenness came the, what Jesus would call the most powerful prophetic ministry of the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus said of John, of all those born of women, and that's the entire world, there's none greater than John. Hello, that means he's greater than Elijah, Elisha, Samuel. Now, I'm going to have a bit of a debate with the Lord when I get up there because I'm going to say, well, what about Samuel? He's pretty good. What about Elijah? I mean, John didn't get taken up in a fiery chariot. But I can't argue with the Lord Jesus. Remember, he's the prophet of prophets. When he says John is the greatest, then you've got to take him at that. And yet, not one miracle. Not one prophetic word of the future. And Jesus says, he's the greatest prophet of all. Why? Because no one saw Messiah in the flesh but John. You get it? Remember many times the Lord would say to the Pharisees, a greater than Solomon is here. A greater than the temple is here. But you can't see it. A greater than Elijah is here. See? Jesus. Why am I saying this? It's not a shutdown. It's a redirecting of the vision. And it's always, and I know pastor's going to expand on this, expound on this. It's always to increase ultimately. It looks like a decrease now. It looks like the tent is getting smaller. But if you stay on track with the Spirit, He will show that what He's done is He's cut the two-lane highway down to one while He builds an extra lane. Isn't that true? I'm getting tired of the construction outside. They have shut down one lane for nearly three years. But when it opens up, it's going to be like a big highway for us. True? So there's always a contracting before an expanding. Isn't that what happens with a woman when she's giving birth? She gets what? Contractions. 
It's always painful to contract. But we have to go through the pain of shrinking. Gideon did it. Gideon did it. David did it. Abraham did it. They all did the shrinking in order to expand. Amen. So I just want to say to you, allow the Spirit to somehow by His grace bring back the song in your heart. Bring back the positivity of your outlook on your life. I'm preaching to myself. Don't get up in the morning and go, hmm. Get up in the morning and go, hey. <laughs> Mama's looking so happy. Because she knows. Hallelujah. There are enough women in this room to know what it's like to be barren. And I don't just mean with children. I mean in areas in your life. And I love the way that the Lord honours our women by speaking to the woman and saying, you're the mother of all the living. And of all people, you should experience giving life. And when that is taken from you, I want to assure you, I will put a song back into your spirit. So women and men, because men give birth in the spirit too, Men, we don't do it often enough, but it does, it does separate us from people who are in the world. When we get a burden and a vision from God and we believe it so much that we literally pain to see it done. Paul said, my little children in whom I labour in birth until, there it is. That means there's no time limit on it until Christ is birthed in you. So Paul knew what it meant to contract in the agony of seeing his vision fulfilled. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'd bring back the song to our hearts. The song of praise, the song of thanksgiving, the song of of positivity. That even though we're going through a barren time, even though we're going through a change of course in our original vision, we believe that like the barren woman of Isaiah 54, you're actually stretching the borders of our tents. You're enlarging the scope of our vision and you're going to make it a reality at the time of its birth. And we thank you when we praise you because you, Lord Jesus, are the Alpha and the Omega. You see what's beneath the surface. And Lord, it's always good when we put our hope and trust in you. If you believe that, you want to receive that, say Amen. amen. All right, I'm going to tag off now with Pastor Rob. It's on, babe. Okay. We are going to speak more about this. We're going to call it, uh, you need to shrink to increase. But the, enough, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that even 
a flow of water, when it's going a certain way, slows down when it comes to a bank. And there's a reason for that. You see, when that one slows down, it builds up a momentum to be able to turn and go in a different direction. Maybe not even in a different direction, but in a direction that you didn't think it would go in. And so when we do, we build up. You build up to flow harder. Come on. You see, when you learn these principles, they're going to be very helpful for you because we've been in the mindsets of believing the more you work hard, the better. Sorry, you're not a human working you're a being. It's when you be a being, it works better. Now, if you don't know this, you should, because 90% of you have done my courses on abiding in Christ. This is one of them. It's all about being, not doing. And you're wearing yourself out because you keep doing the doing. You know, to understand, be a human being, not a doing. Human doings doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> a human being sounds much better. Be rather than do. It's Christ in me that's the hope of everything. Not you in you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? So in this vision, there are pieces of the puzzle that haven't been put together yet. The picture hasn't been formed yet. But already you're running ahead, picking up your own pieces to add your picture. But your picture will never hold what God's picture holds. So let it go, guys. Let it go. With me and Pastor, our whole family, we had, we've been around the world preaching, little churches, big churches. I had no idea this was part of his plan. No idea. I thought I was going to Africa or Malaysia to start a school. Never thought America needed anything. Believed it had everything. But now I can see it needs. And apparently God thinks it needs the Aussie flavour. You know, I wonder what that is. Maybe a little straight. Yeah. Praise God. This is what it's all about. I had no idea that I would end up with three grandchildren that were born in the United States of America. Had no idea that was part of God's plan. No idea. 
couldn't even imagine that one. Look, how far did my imagination go? How far has it gone? I'm a doctor. I have degrees behind my name. As if that counts, but I apparently in this country it does. But you know, never thought. Now my son's going for his doctorate. And now my husband's going for his master's. You can, you can call me master. You can talk, call her doctor, but I'm master. Get down there. So you understand what I'm saying? What God is doing is far more exciting than what you can imagine He'll do. Keep your imagination for His vision. Keep it for His vision. Don't take your own vision and use your own imagination. It will be undermined compared to what God's got for you. Yeah, Pastor, if I could just make a comment. I, I like looking up the roots of words, especially like the English language. It's a combination of like German and French and a bit of, you know, uh, Latin and, and Spanish and so forth. Imagination. Image in motion. Image in motion. That's where we get imagination from. Image in motion. And by the way, Pastor, just to let people know, um, in, the, in the church, you know, uh, the Pentecostal church, the Charismatic church, the Baptist church, in all the churches, it's been really, really discouraged to have imagination. But that's part of God's plan, imagination. You know, He uses your imagination to give you a foretaste of what's to come. So you'll go after it. John the Baptist was the foretaste of Jesus coming. He was the real thing. You get that feeling of, wow, I've had a taste. What's coming next? That's part of the imagination, imagining it, not making it happen. I want to encourage you, get your hands off God's dream for you. You've got no idea what it could mean. It's definitely going to be bigger than you. Definitely. Do you get that? Bigger. I mean, Sarah, Abraham, they just wanted a child. God wanted them to be father of nations and mother of nations. You're one of their children. I'm one of their children. They wanted one child, Pastor, one child. But God says, go out and count the stars. Count those grains on that seashore. Count them. And then when they started to get it, they started to see it. And when they started to see it, he changed their name. It's all part of the process, guys.
The journey, I want to tell you, is very exciting. The destination is fulfilling, but you wouldn't want to fulfill something without getting excited about it. So let's get excited about the journey and then we'll get to the destination. So look forward to having some more time with you tonight on Portals and looking forward to having some more time to do with open eyes because that's one we're really getting into. So I'd be glad when Pastor gets that cleared and it's going to you. Now that you got an A plus in your last exam, hurry up and get my thing finished. No, no. Pastor, can we can we just get everyone to just raise up your vision to the Lord just with by yeah. faith now? Hand your vision. If you haven't got vision, come and see me after service because we want you to be a person of vision. We want you to have a hope goal for the future. Right? Now just consciously say in your spirit to the Lord. I want you to take the wheel of how this vision gets completed. Amen. I want to follow Amen. you, not Amen. lead you. Amen. Yes, Lord, Lord Jesus, we give our, our vision, our destiny goals back to you. We put it on the altar like Abraham did with Isaac. And we ask you, Lord, to revive it, yeah. restore it and direct it. We according to, to your it. grace and according yes. to your will in our lives. In your way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I Thank think you. that God really was speaking. Who felt that God forgot all about him with this? Because I'm, I've been hearing um, in my spirit uh, people uh, are so exhausted and so wanting to say, I can't do it anymore. I just sort of give it up. I can't do it anymore. And, and, and it was like, um, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. But you see, God did. And he knew you needed to hear it. But his timing's perfect. His timing's perfect. So you need to rejoice. Why don't we get up and give God the glory right yeah, now? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. We can give it up for our Lord. Give it up for the Lord, guys. Come on, you can do better. Come on. Come on, give it up. Come on, release yourself. Become a people of praise. Come on. You be a people of praise. Come on. Good on you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You ready, mate? Okay. Amen. Father, we thank you. We have, Lord, deposited in our spirits. We leave with hope tonight. Because, Lord, you've told us to dream again. But this time when we dream, we're going to see, Lord, beyond what we think is the way. But we're going to see that you are the way. You are the truth and you are the life. 
And so we just thank you. Bless us as we go on our way. Be with us, Lord, throughout the week. Give us safe and travelling mercies and bring us back together again. But before we go online, we want to extend to you, if you are watching and you don't know the power of Jesus Christ in your life, Jesus Christ, the power of the cross, is the only thing that can make you have a dream in the midst of all the things going on in this world. It's the power of the blood that sanctifies. And because of that, you can dream and you can believe God's best for your life. So if you have never accepted Jesus Christ to be Lord and Saviour, our team is now putting up links in the chat where you can respond. And we're going to put the words up on the screen. Just pray this simple prayer. The Word of God says that if you simply just confess Jesus is Lord and believe by faith, then you shall be saved. So we're going to ask maybe the room to pray it with us so that you can feel like we're backing you up. But let's pray it together. We say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again to give me life with you. Lord Jesus, come and live in my heart and fill me with your Spirit. Let me have true communion with you that is not based on performance or religion, but total intimacy. In Jesus' Name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to contact you. We want to get in connection with you and help you to walk out the next steps of your salvation and this journey. Pastor Robin said, the journey is fun. God wants you to enjoy the journey because you get to learn about who He is through the journey and who you are. So reach out to our team and they will love to help you. And everyone else, you are dismissed. God bless you, be with you, make His face shine upon you and bring us back together again so we can praise Him and worship Him even more. All right, God bless. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show His goodness and love, and our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the talk message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your talk app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, 
please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with him and his spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.